Hello, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and a warm welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 33, part two, where we're chatting with Chris Blasco, Head of Production for Framestore Montreal. On this second part, we hand the reins over to this week's guest co-host, Chloe Rodriguez, London-based 3D production assistant. So let's not keep you waiting any longer. Sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 33, part two of the Framestore podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, the second instalment of our conversation with Chris Blasco, our new head of production for Framestore Montreal. This is where we hand over to this week's esteemed guest co-host, Chloe Rodriguez, 3D production assistant based in London, who will continue the interview where we left off on Monday. So Chloe, it is very much over to you. So I kind of wanted to start with something that I just was kind of interested in. Um, so I wanted to ask what inspired you to go specifically into production so like what is it that you like about the production world in general uh, that's a good one you know I think it was it was really the only avenue I ever looked at um, in the in 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 this industry because my whole background was more driven towards the finance spreadsheet you know world as boring as that is uh, I have a business degree, like I did not go to school for this, but I went to school for business and it had a lot of finance components in my coursework. Um, so when I kind of was learning more about the entertainment industry and how it's not how it's not solely uh, creatives and people that have all the money to fund things, but there's a whole host of, of responsibilities um, that fit more into my wheelhouse. That's kind of all, you know, only where I ever looked. Um, I also know that personally, I mean, my five-year-old draws better than I do. Like I am not artistic at all. You know, I respect creativity and respect that I don't, <laughs> I don't have that, that level of talent. Um, so it never, never really even occurred to me to think about the artist uh, background. I think the people that have, that are in production now that, that had an artist slant an artist interest just have a even a better rounded skill set when it comes to production because they can speak a little bit more of the language and have an understanding of what you know we're asking an artist to do because he or she is sat in that seat so i really respect people that have that background and admire those that can do it really well uh it was just never something for me yeah that's really interesting because a lot of the production people that i know at the moment a lot of them have come from an artist background where they've either trained in animation or games and they've kind of seen production as the route for them. So it's kind of interesting to see how people can come into production not having come from like a specifically animation like degree or something like that. And that is still like, a lot of transferable skills. So you said that you did business. Yeah, I just have like a, a business administration degree because it was generic enough at the time when I was 18 and didn't know what I wanted to do with my life but still could be applied somehow, maybe, as opposed to other degrees that I, I couldn't see how to uh, to translate that into something real world. So that's how I landed on that. It was not because I was super passionate about becoming a, an accountant or something like that, but it was uh, just skills that I thought could translate for me and, 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 and interests that I had, but didn't really confine me too much. And I'm really glad that I did because 
I think I would have had a different path had I chosen a different kind of major to focus on in school. That's really cool. Well, yeah, like I said, it's interesting to kind of see where people have come into production and everything. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So the next question I kind of had was what keeps you inspired in your career at the moment? Like every day just keeps you going type thing. Well, you know, what I really like, and this might this might drive some people crazy. I don't think anybody in our business would be driven crazy by this, but I think people in a workforce could, is the idea of, of how ever-changing our time is. You know, there's no such thing as uh, the same show, right? Uh, the experience is always different for a host of reasons. All the players can be different, right? Our internal teams, our external teams, uh, let alone, of course, the specific imagery that we're making is always obviously different. And I think that can do some people's heads in as far as uh, it can feel inconsistent or uh, you're unable to, to kind of rein it in and get, get comfortable with your job. But what I really like about it is things always change, right? So when things are rough, it's going to end. It has to end because the project will always end. And if it goes to the bitter end and it's rough to the bitter end, then so be it. But there's always an end. This isn't years in the making where we're going to struggle and you're going to feel like, oh, gosh, this is my life. It's not. It's not, this is your show and that show will, will end. And then you have an opportunity for the next one. Next one could go similarly, but it could not too. So you, you know, you owe it to yourself to get through it and just pick up fresh on the next one. And, you know, obviously the the good smooth periods also come to an end and you have to just be prepared for those um, and expect that the times will be, you know, there'll be tumultuous moments and those moments could last for a while, but you know, even the, even the good, right? Relish in it, but, uh, but be prepared for when it's, uh, <laughs> when those times wane and, and, and the challenges uh, are what you really have to deal with on your day to day. But that's what keeps me going is that it's always something new. And I've done this for long enough to really feel confident in that statement. There's always something new. So you never get stuck for too long. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because a lot of people, when they think about their job, um, if they don't really like their job, it's normally because it's just quite samey, like each day, mm-hmm. and it becomes quite mundane. But within production, while you ha- might have like similar meetings every day, it brings like new problems and chaoticness and just new adventures and new ideas every single day. So you are always kept on your feet type thing. But yeah, that's a, as well, like something that I really enjoy about it, that while there might be chaotic points, there's also like it just means that your brain is so active all the time. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And I think production has a pretty um, kind of unique progression to it because, you know, and, I, and I, I'm speaking very, very broadly, but an artist, if he or she stays doing the specific uh, role that they're, you know, that they've been hired for and they're really good at, they might start out as a junior artist progress over time, learn from their leads and their supervisors, and then take on different challenges on the show, but pretty much stay in that department, right? And becoming a master in that, in that department. And then maybe even leading it or heading it or, or what have you supervising in it. But there is a way that I think it's different with production because as you grow, your job changes completely. The set of responsibilities, the set of demands, what you're uh, expected to be able to accomplish, how you're expected to to lead and train, and you know you can look at your sh- you can look at your job in in eight years or ten years, and you can see how the set of responsibilities that you had back then have been so different from what you're doing now, but you're still in this production space. 
again, speaking broadly, I don't want to don't, don't want to diminish any any other department that has lots of different avenues that you can take. But for production, if you stay on that on that track, your your job is is changing quite a bit uh, over time. And, you know, that's also cool. Even if you feel like you're doing the same job on different shows and there's differences because of the team and, and the content that you're producing, but you're still kind of doing the same responsibilities at, at its core, that's also going to change over time too. You're not going to do that for 20 years until you retire. That'll change pretty soon too. <laughs> yeah, but that's quite interesting. And like, I was talking to my um, team recently and a lot of them have taken on new things with this project compared to other projects and they've kind of specialized in certain areas so while they've been in that role for like a few years now they've had the chance within that role to kind of specialize in different areas and see kind of new avenues within production they might have not expected to do before so yeah it means that the job is quite engaging all the time and you can kind of learn new skills and update those skills and work as a team together and I find that really cool because like you might think that you just might doing might be doing like the schedule or like dealing with tasks all day but actually you can kind of take something and make it your own but I find that really special so yeah absolutely couldn't agree more so I was gonna say what project have you worked on so far that has been your favorite sure um I worked in 2011, I started this project, and it was Disney's Oz the Great and Powerful, starring James Franco as Oz and Mila Kunis, Michelle Williams, Rachel Weisz were the witches. And it was, I think it's my favorite so far because it was so new to me because it was the first time that I went studio side. So I had had experience up to that point on the vendor side for a few years and a couple of different companies in a couple of different countries. And definitely developed my passion for our business in, in that time and wanted to try the next thing, which I mentioned last time and got an opportunity, but it was so different to me and it was so, you know, cool and exciting to be on set and to see that, that whole process. And it was a long shoot and I had to move away from home and live on location, which is, you know, also kind of exciting the days are long, the weeks were long, uh, the show was long. I was on it for more than two years, but you know, I think it's, I think it was the best, the best show for me because I really was wowed by, you know, a totally different side of our business that, you know, just truly different and exciting for me. And then I did it again. (laughs) I did another one after that because I really liked it. And then, you know, life changes and the availability to live away from home for months and months or what turned out to be a year at a time just didn't kind of jive with me anymore but I really feel like I ticked that box you know that's really cool so what was your role in that movie that you mentioned like what was the title that you had I was a production coordinator on on Oz okay and again you know the titles are like I mentioned earlier when you go to different companies right titles can be same but the roles can be different and when you go studio studio side versus vendor side what you're tracking is so different what you're facilitating, you know, coordinating at a vendor level is so different from what you're tracking and facilitating, coordinating at a, at the studio side. Yeah. The, uh, the tenants are the same, the way you need to organize, the way you need to bridge gaps between all the different departments to have them sing nicely together. Uh, it, you know, was familiar, but the detail, the minutia, yeah, yeah, it was, is pretty different. So I imagine that your name kind of came up in the credits and things like that. So I was kind of wanting to know how you kind of feel when your name, I imagine you waited until the end for your name. 
That's what I would do. And even if it was right at the end, I would wait. But just to see your name come up and be recognized, how does that feel like? Is it just the best thing ever? I just imagine it to be the best thing ever. I mean, my first credit was 2004's Christmas movie called Christmas with the Cranks. Starring oh, Tim Allen I and Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> it's a super adorable, you know, family-friendly Christmas movie. We did lots of snow and a couple of CG shots and set extensions and all that stuff. And it was all just painstaking at the time, 20, you know, 19 years ago. But yeah, when that movie came out, like I was 24 and yeah, my whole family, we all went to the theater and watched and there was a big round of applause for, you know, my little cheering section when my name just flew by. Um and then, you know, a family around the around the country went and saw it and then everybody, it was a very big deal and it was uh, super exciting. And to this day, I probably don't get as many, as many people to go see the movies that I, like I used to, but you know, the most recent credit that I had probably was uh, Venom 2 when I worked at Egg, I was producing. And uh, even then, you know, here, my, I took my wife and my brother and sister-in-law and even my neighbors next door uh we who became friends with they wanted to come see it with their kids so you know it's still it's still something that people you know celebrate with you and it's fun and i don't care i don't want physical media anymore in my life i don't have dvds i don't have c you know i want to stream everything and download everything but i will always buy a uh, a dvd of any movie that i've got a credit on because i think it's exciting yeah, that's quite cool to have like as a little collection. Yeah. And it's something physical. It's the only ones that I have still. Yeah. Yeah, I still like it. It used to be Christmas presents and my mom would buy them for <laughs> like anybody who really cared. But and now I just get them for myself and I just have a little collection of the movies that, you know, I can look back on in my career. Yeah, I find those little things quite cool because you see like some actors on sets and things and they just say that they steal their costumes and things. It's just like a little keepsake. And I just find that really cool. Like they probably just have it up in their room or something on their wall, just stuff on the movie. But yeah, it's really nice to kind of have that physical movie, like you said, like DVD, just to know that your name is like in that movie. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah. And then, so what would you say are a couple of important tips on being successful within production and in maybe specifically your role as head of production now, but you can also just be general. Yeah, I think something key to keep in mind to be successful is to take your time. You know, I've used that before in a, in a question that, that Simon asked, but, um, and it, it, it's a little bit different, but kind of a similar vein of, of take a beat, like take your time in these roles, you know, don't look at your neighbor and think that he or she is getting a, a different kind of uh, opportunity than you are. That'll come. Trust me, there's departments of people that are tasked with production's growth and preparing him or her for the next role. So we're looking at that constantly because we really want to keep people, you know, successful, interested, engaged with Framestore specifically. And the way to do that is to, you know, recognize talent, present opportunities when when we think that he or she is ready and we've got them at the company. But I think it's just take your time. You know, this can be a long career. You can do this for the whole, your whole life. If you start in your 20s, you can do this until you retire, whenever that is, if you want. So no need to rush to get to the next the next step. Take your time, take it all in, learn a lot. You'll just be better prepared for that next role when when you do take it, if you're not kind of rushing to get to it. 
Yeah, I was talking to Sabrina recently and she just echoed exactly what you said, how within production, you kind of just need to take your time. And until you're intuitively doing the step above you, then you can probably progress. But because production is so fundamental, it's like kind of like the spine of the production. If your spine's not doing well, your whole body's just going to crumble. Like, so the rest of the artists are just going to crumble if you're not feeling confident and doing your job like well. Like if you're just trying to race kind of thing to get to the next step, like also things will just happen too quickly, I find. Because then once you get to the top, like where do you go next? So kind of just taking your time just seems a bit more plausible and a bit more healthy and engaging with the artists and just making sure that you're okay, they're okay, and then kind of moving up slowly. But yeah. Definitely. And boy, that that spine analogy is perfect. Yeah. I hadn't heard it before. I think that's you've you've nailed it. And I and I like it too because it's an important part of the body and, and functioning, but it's not the only important part, right? There's other important parts that have to work together, but to, you know, to put production, at, you know, in, in that category of an important part of the show's body that needs to operate is, you know, is, is fair and, and uh, right on, I think. Well, kind of leading on from like that question, I wanted to ask, so kind of managing so many people in production can be quite stressful. Um, so do you have any techniques about, staying like cool calm and collected type thing or you just not cool calm and collected at all. Like, <laughs> definitely not yeah. cool ask my kids um they will confirm i'm not cool um <laughs> i think the the thing that i do and i think others do but um i've never done this because others have or told me to do it um but it's it's one-on-one -on -one time and i think that gives an opportunity you know, I, and I intro my one-on-one -on -one meetings with my team that, you know, I, I, I'm not going to cancel this meeting. I'll, I'll probably have to reschedule it sometimes, and but I'm never going to cancel it. Let's keep this time together. If it's five minutes or the half an hour, we, can, we should have the opportunity to connect. And then it's a safe space, like bar anything HR related that would have to be dealt with. We can talk openly. And if you're just venting, great, I'm here for it. We can talk together about what are the next steps, but feel like you can tell me something that I'm not going to go and start banging the drum on about right away. We'll come up with the next step together and what that is. So that's how I think we can just kind of stay calm and collected together is because we know we have that outlet. So, you know, meetings in larger groups, we can stay really uh, uber professional, really hyper-focused on the task at hand and not focusing on what caused the problem at that moment. Let's talk about, let's be solution oriented. And then in our one-on-one, -on -one, it's a safe space. So we can, you know, everybody needs to vent. Everybody needs to share uh, some things in, in confidence. And, you know, I give everybody that opportunity to do that. And I'm consistent with it. So they know they're going to have to have that time. They're going to be heard. Yeah, I think that's really important because I think a lot of people, like especially working from home, can start to feel quite stressed and anxious and then feel quite isolated. So having those chats within production and like knowing that you still have those chats, like being head of production and you still kind of make that time is really positive because it just makes you feel a lot better that people are willing to kind of give that time to you to make sure you're okay. And then it inevitably just helps production because if the artists are happy and production are happy, the production's probably going to go quite well. It's so true. It's so true. I wish that I had a chance to meet, you know, the teams more than a hundred 
I wish that I had an opportunity for one-on-ones with everybody. I have some specific roles that I do manage personally and, and those I do get to meet. And then the, and then those that manage, you know, the other production roles, you know, I'll meet with them and have one-on-ones with them. And then they have one-on-ones with those folks. So I get to hear about specific concerns through that way as well. I wish there was more time, but you know, I, I'd much rather take a really big, strong, happy team that we can kind of manage all together yeah. to be successful. And then a kind of similar question. Um, so do you have any advice on managing a kind of good work life balance when the products are so like full on and you might be doing some overtime, but just kind of making sure that you kind of have that time to yourself to kind of recharge and make sure you're okay for the next day? Yeah. Uh, I think the good advice is something that I said before, which is just, this isn't going to be forever. It feels unavoidable. What Framestore is really conscious of is maintaining that balance as much as we can. And we know that we can't do it. And we've, everybody who's listening will, will agree that it has been not struck uh, time and time again. And that's, that's kind of part of the game. What we can do is try to mi- limit that and be really mindful of of not uh, abusing that, being really respectful to of people's time. I really do like the working from home aspect to OT because I do think that, you know, there used to be so many times for production specifically if we're waiting for a shot and it's on the render farm and then it has to get comp. It's a couple hours before we can actually get something that's reviewed and then ultimately hopefully sent to the client. And there was a time where you just had to sit in the uh, in the office and wait for that. But now you can, in some specific instances, when you discuss this with your show, you can uh, go home and have a bite to eat and then check back in before, you know, while the process is still going and you can still satisfy your role while, uh, you know, not then having to add the commute home after all that. Um, so we, we hope that the production teams can recognize that, this is a last ditch effort to, to keep a show on track is, is asking for extra time. We use it sparingly. Uh, we're really mindful of what we're asking of and to know that, you know, this is a, this is a period, this is a moment yeah. and we'll get it done. Yeah. It's good to kind of just keep positive. And like you said, like it will end as well. Well, like if something's stressful, like it will, it will just end and something else will come up that might be like really positive and go just like exactly the way you want it to go but no that's really good advice and then is there anyone in your career that has particularly inspired you and why they might not be in like our line of work or anything or just yeah definitely um yeah you know I think kind of following up on the mentors and how there are there are mentors throughout the throughout the career there's definitely been some people that have really struck me with how they perform or even what you know, even, even what they've told me to, to motivate me. And those people are now, you know, wildly successful in this industry. And, uh, you know, they they used to sit right next to me and now they're heading movie studios in LA and, and running companies. And I'm so pleased to see that they've able to take their skills and, and positive kind of attitude and run entire businesses with them. And And I have like a, a hope and an expectation that they're imparting that, you know, now they're doing it on a grand scale and that those companies are, are doing really well because they're, they're at the helm. So, 
you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to name specific names, but um, I'm happy to see those people, you know, inspired me 19 years ago, 15 years ago, two weeks ago, and that they're doing something really, you know, really good still for, for this business. And yeah, it's just great to see, you know, good people succeed. Yeah. I think it's really surreal kind of knowing that your friends at uni, I know that and already, I think a few of my friends at uni have like made their names in credits and things. And you're like, wow, like you already think of them as like a famous person. And it's just, it is a bit crazy because like you, you were just sitting next to them like a year ago or something, like learning nuke or something. And now they're <laughs> just creating these massive assets for like feature films. And yeah, it's just kind of seeing that is just so inspirational in itself. You just knew them like so recently and now they've just progressed so much. Yeah. You know, sometimes all people need is an opportunity. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, and then what is the best part about your job at the moment? I know that maybe you came into it recently, but at the moment, like what is the best part? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Simon, I'm so conscious of not saying it's the people because uh but it's gotta be i mean it is we're people business like we we're people that make imagery and things but we're in the business of of our talent so it's it's not the work it's the people that made the work it's not the it's not the way the company functions it's the way the people run the company so i think that it's gotta be you know it's gotta be the, the people people are responsible for all the things that happen at the company and, and all that, all those things, many of those things are so positive. So that, that's got to be my answer as a, as stock as that might feel. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's important, like working with amazing people, like makes you inspired every day, keeps you going. And like you wake up like, oh, I have to do my job. But it's like the people that I, <laughs> I enjoy being around and constantly inspired by. So it might be like, oh, everyone's going to say the same thing, but it's just because it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I'll, and that's why it does come up so much, as you rightly say, Chloe, is because it's, it is true. And actually, that's why the podcast exists, because it, that's what it is. It's a vehicle to have these conversations and to, uh, yeah, to, to showcase the people, right? So, yeah, nothing wrong with stock, guys. Nothing wrong <laughs> <at all. laughs> so this is a bit of a fun question. So if you wrote a book about your career so far, what would you title it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I should have given you this question before coming on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, boy, I'm not ready to write the book on my career yet. Um, I would, I'd probably be more than halfway through the book right now. Um, yeah. What's that, the working title? Working yeah, it chapters? wouldn't be done. <laughs> and that, that's got to come at the end because I don't know. I don't know how to write a book. <laughs> I think that I'd probably leave the title to the end because w- what the next 20 years might look like could really shape the story that I'm telling in the book. And I want the title to reflect the the full story. So yeah. I don't know. That's a great question. And again, going back to I'm not a creative person. <laughs> uh, I don't have a I don't have a good time. untitled Belasco autobiography yeah to be confirmed type thing (laughs) sleep people on the edge like or yeah cbb it could be better (laughs) um i thought that was fun but yeah like but then again like you say you're just constantly writing the book of your life and you don't know where it's going to go so it could just be like while you might be like 19 years in like 
it could still be the start. Like, what's the pivot? Yeah, like the pivotal moment of the story might be still yet to come. Yeah, and maybe I've seen it already, and maybe I haven't. I don't know yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then because this is like a global podcast, I kind of just wanted to ask what it's like to specifically work. I know that you're in you're in USA at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But I was going to ask what it's like to work in Montreal in VFX. You do commute in sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, what is it like to work in Montreal in the VFX world compared to like I don't know other places? No, it's it's cool because it's so big. Like Framestore was there early days, and it was that was just ten years ago. So to say that there was no industry there is false, but it's really grown a lot um, over the last ten years, and I think it's like a little. Um, I mean, it, it it's just it's a massive network of people, so it's pretty exciting. It doesn't feel like it's reached its peak or that we've hit our bounds as much as it's hard to kind of find some select people to recruit here and there. Uh, it can feel like maybe um, some pools are a little bit, a little bit small, but I think overall the, uh, the industry is certainly kind of thriving up there, attracting talent all the time, growing talent from within. And, you know, it's a really passionate market. There's a, there's a ton of really, really excited people that want to, get into you know some of the big companies that are out there you know and frame stores top of that list so it's cool i mean there seems to be overall kind of endless talent that we can dip into and more homegrown as the years progress yeah that's cool i just yeah because the podcast is so global and you don't realize if you go on the frame store website and see all the different branches of where they are it's a bit crazy that there's just so many and it's so widespread and like people might want to move and like things like that, but stay within Framestore. And it might be an option for them to just move somewhere else, somewhere else, stay in their role, but like still be within Framestore. So it's nice to kind of get an idea of what it's like in different countries and things like that. And then another kind of fun question. So what is your favorite animation slash VFX film? It doesn't have to be one you've worked on. Oh boy. I mean, I thought The Matrix was still so, so cool. And I got to meet people that made those kind of bullet time shots work. And and there's tons of movies out there that are like this, but it wasn't a superhero movie and it wasn't kind of this fantasy movie. It was it was something different. Um, and they did some really different things in it. So I'd probably put that put that on the list. Probably my favorite one to date. And boy, I'm I'm just ignoring twenty something years of uh, of cinematic content, but that one to me was very cool. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, when you say, like, what is, what is your favourite film? A lot of people do say kind of more the classic kind of films rather than the new ones. But I think that just means, like, you've had that favourite film for a while, so it must be good. Like, <laughs> you haven't been, you haven't, like, seen the new ones and been, like, influenced by, oh, the VFX is so cool now. It's, like, it's still, like, the ones you like from yeah, before exactly. and everything. But Simon, like, what's your favourite one as well? I'm quite interested. I've been asked. To, I've been asked this on the podcast before. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of the Matrix. I was going to say actually that the I can't think of a film that really changed the game as much as the Matrix when it came out, um, and I don't think anything's really topped it since. The sequels, and again, I'm not debunking obviously the 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 recent Matrix movie that we did work on. I said I want to get into trouble, but the first Matrix as a standalone movie. I thought was out there. And I remember watching it in a cinema in Peckham uh, in South London and the crowd was just like well into it. It was people kind of screaming and clapping and oh, it was just a brilliant cinema experience as well, but it was such a game changer. Mine goes way back 
to uh, the 70s. I'm a big uh, Clint Eastwood fan and I love uh, I love a maverick cop and I am a massive fan of Dirty Harry. It's quite problematic now. It's kind of a little bit kind of there's lots of like a lot of old movies. It's quite problematic. But as a, as a film, it had an amazing Lalo Schifrin soundtrack, which I, I own on vinyl. I love it. The soundtrack. It's got Clint being Clint. It's got the theme of kind of the maverick unorthodox cop playing by his own rules, which is a massive movie trope that I love. It's got a great villain. It's got a really cool, simple storyline. It's got an amazing ending. It just ticks all the boxes for me. I mean, it is my, I've got lots of favorites. Robocop is a close second because uh, I grew up in that era and it still stands up as, a, as an amazing piece of content, particularly it's still got stop motion animation in it, but it still works. And again, that first or Ed 209 scene where it gets uh, it guns down the whole boardroom is just wonderful nice <laughs> and the ending and again great bad guy super high concept so they're, they're my two shout outs i think what about you chloe have you got a have you got any favorite? um i think my current favorite is into the spider verse hmm. the first one just because it kind of joined the whole 2d and 3d worlds back together again yeah um and kind of i really love 2d animation hmm. and stop motion and everything and the fact that it kind of brought that in again instead of kind of trying to achieve really realistic stuff yeah it brought the artistry kind of back it's a great show and i really 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 like that and similarly like kubo and the two strings oh yeah yes the studio laker like that origami scene just was crazy and i loved it so much because it was just so Mm. like artistic and i just really like abstract kind of qualities in animation and joining 2d and 3d together just really visually pleasing like if you just take pause at any moment it yeah. just looks beautiful like it's amazing yeah we said that about um i mean i think june um if you, again and blade runner 2049 and those kind of movies you could pause them and again you've got yourself a, a canvas you can put on the wall but your shout for uh yeah um yeah it's a cube cubo cubo i think yeah cubo, cubo. and that and is it studio laker that did Coraline, paranorman missing yeah. link all of those movies are insane they're all great they're all deeply rooted in stop motion animation as well aren't they and they're just gorgeous to watch yeah actually that challenge my my point around the matrix actually spider-verse did that didn't it that changed the game in terms of feature animation without a doubt you know when you're watching something and it's like this is new definitely definitely it's such a good one chloe it's such a good movie to recognize yeah as being really influential um and how to tell a story and yeah really unique this hasn't happened before yeah yeah i watched the uh the turtles movie recently with my son yeah, I was just going to say it. that's similar, and I've only seen the trailer, but the the idea behind it is exactly what yeah. you're talking about, Chloe, to Incredible. me. different artistry. Yeah, I need to kind of understand how they made it, because it just, it's so rough and painterly, and it's amazing. It's amazing. It's like a sketchbook come to life. It's not got that, it's not super polished. Right. It's brilliant. Anyway. Yeah. I've got like the art off book of into the spider-verse mm. and sometimes i just like look through it and it's just so nice like you know when you've got your collection of things that you just don't want to touch because yeah, it's so beautiful and so pristine it's that kind of vibe like it's just so much art it's amazing yeah I, I, seriously we should do an offshoot of the frame yeah. podcast and just talk about films yeah. do this forever <laughs> it's so cool anyway sorry chloe continue for sure no it was just my last question it was kind of similar to your last question on part one so what Top restaurant recommendations do you have for people visiting where you live now and also Montreal? Oh, okay. 
Well, there's a lot of really great restaurants in the air at the office in Montreal, so that's cool. We're not uh, short on options. Montreal is known for its smoked meat, so sorry, vegetarians out there listening, um, but they do it really well. Uh, it's a pretty tasty, uh, tasty sandwich or meal. And in St. Louis, they have some pretty unique to them foods as well. And one of the ones that people go crazy for is something called toasted ravioli. And it ravioli, you know, it's like the, the Italian ravioli that's filled with whatever cheese or meat or something. Oh. But they kind of coat it in breadcrumbs and fry it and make it like an appetizer. And it's pretty good. And oh. everybody, you can get toasted toasted wraps, they call them, everywhere in, uh, in St. Louis. Um, they're pretty proud of themselves for that. Wow. That sounds, yeah, that's pretty cool. They're Because they're if people go and visit you, like, they know where to go. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into toasted wraps for sure. Yeah. It's a good excuse for me too, because it's, you know, not something I should eat all the time, but, well, when guests are in town, I have to show them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's all the questions I had. But yeah, it's been really amazing being able to talk to you about everything. And I'm, yeah, Simon, thank you so much for setting up this kind of conversation because it is just so nice being able to speak to someone like I never thought I'd be able to speak to the head of production in Montreal so this is pretty cool amazing <laughs> no you're welcome you're welcome that's what it's all about thank you Chloe. yeah I think the format is is such a smart idea and then specifically that you found Chloe uh, to do it is uh, was wonderful I mean Brilliant. Chloe so excited that people like you are joining the industry yeah let's go get some lunch when I'm in London next yeah, at the what was the place? At, at, Say at the papaya. recommendation again papaya, so people yes. know where to go. Back to the yeah. first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, you can get some toasted ravioli yeah. from somewhere as well. That sounds delicious. <laughs> I don't know if they'll travel that well, but I'll bring yeah, some. Exactly, freeze it. Yeah, and some toast on the fifth floor with some jam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get back to that toast conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> well rounded. <laughs> great, great conversation though, and great questions, Chloe. Thank you for doing all the all the prep uh, ahead yeah, of uh, really this uh, this uh, this part of the episode. Really cool questions. I really like it, and I love the one about the book. I've got a suggestion for your your memoirs, Chris, uh, title-wise. I've got two because I've been listening intently to all of your knowledge bombs you've been dropping on this episode. Um, what You could call it Offset the Trajectory. Yeah. Chris Blasco. Oh. Solid title there. Offset that. <laughs> so that's, yeah, you can have that. Or that was from uh, part one. Or in part two, you said when you were talking about, um, you know, this will end, this will pass, which I love. I swear by that as well when things are rough or you're in the middle of something difficult. If this too shall pass, there's a great... Um, is it uh, inside the actor's studio thing on YouTube? And Tom Hanks does uh, talked about it. It's brilliant. If you can find it, he's around the table with Adam Driver and Robert De Niro. And mm. I can't forget who else. But um, it's a great moment where he says, if it's going well, this too shall pass. If it's going badly, this too shall pass. And actually, mm -hmm. so what you said there was, this is a moment. And that could be the title of your book. This is a moment. The Life and Times of Chris Blasco. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Hey, Just a suggestion. Right. So throwing it out there. I've been listening. Well, I assume I have to pay you for either of those now, so Damn I'll have it. to come up with something else when I write the book. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but really, really great conversation. I loved it. I loved your uh, your studies as well. You know, the fact that you did a business admin degree and what, how, what that led to, I thought that was a great way to kick it off, that whole conversation around there's always something new uh, and never get uh, stuck for too long. It was great. A really, really rich discussion. And then, Chloe, your, your spine analogy that I guess we should credit uh, <laughs> Sabrina for, but you definitely uh, did that justice as well. I thought a really, really rich, really interesting discussion, which I'm sure our, our listeners will enjoy. So thank you both so much for uh, being involved in the podcast this week. 
Do you have anything else you wanted to kind of put out there, either Chris or Chloe? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to shout about? Or do we call it a day there? Do we draw a line under this week? I'm happy. I just want to shout Access Free Effects, you know? Yeah. The incredible work that Simon's doing. Just like we, yeah. keep a lookout for all the events, everything going on with that, because it is just a very exciting time in the Access VFX world. But yeah. It's a very good shout, actually. And uh, yeah, if anybody is listening, because Framestore at the moment has 25% of the mentorship uh, within Access VFX. So we're ahead of the game for now, but do keep signing up. Keep us uh, keep us in the lead for the uh, the uh, the mentor uh, community. So yeah, definitely accessvfx.org forward slash mentors. Sign up for free. Change someone's life. Thank you, Chloe. Chris, anything else you wanted to add? No, no, I'm good. Uh, thanks again. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chloe. Yeah. Hopefully bump into you again soon. And thank you so much for being part of the Framestore podcast. It's been yeah. great. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this week's episodes. It just leaves me to thank Chris for being a wonderfully inspiring special guest, Chloe for being this week's most excellent guest co-host, and special thanks, as always, to Sam Sosnowski from the Global Training Team for another brilliant edit. We'll be back in another two weeks with another guest from our Global Framestore community. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Music.